As a demand gen marketer, chances are you've come up empty when trying to find good benchmarks for your campaigns. It's really tough to find good paid social data to benchmark against. On today's episode of Demand Gen U, we're going to talk through our annual paid social benchmark report, everything that went into creating it, and how you can use a core pillar like this in your own content strategy when coming up with new campaigns. Demand Gen U is officially in session. Let's do it. All righty. So clearly there are three people's faces uh, on the screen right now, but it's also our podcast, so we can kind of do whatever we want. <laughs> and Jason, I can't believe that you're recording this right now because you had a crazy early flight this morning and we were all together in person this week for an offsite in Chicago. Yeah, that's why I've got the hat. Like I put my data hat on for our benchmark data episode. Ah, I like um, it. <laughs> but more importantly, because... My hair looks like a crazy person, uh, and I don't want to scare anybody off. But yeah, it was an early day, and we'll see how this episode goes. Um, this is yeah. this is the show you want to listen to. Don't don't watch. Just listen to this one. <laughs> well, with how much publicity Jason's hair has been getting on LinkedIn lately, like you got to protect it. So uh, yeah, I support that. <laughs> Insurance policy. <laughs> yeah. Well, awesome. So you're probably wondering why we've got three people, and what we're gonna do is we're gonna talk through everything that went into creating our annual paid social benchmark report. Now, we did this last year. Uh, we just released the V2 of this. Last year, it was Jason and I and some freelance help. Uh, this year, thank God, Justin's here as well. So we're going to get so much more mileage out of this thing. Uh, so we'll talk through launching it and what we've got planned coming out of it. And I'm pretty pumped about this. This is uh, It's been an absolute beast. And like we were talking just now, the, the feedback that we've gotten in the what? week-ish since we launched it has been really positive. So we're excited. Yeah, like this is um, this is something I always wanted to do, you know, like because every once in a while when you see a vendor and they've got some interesting data and you're like, man, if I could just have access to like some of that data, it would help tell a story or I'd like learn something new. Um, and oftentimes, and Justin will probably talk about this, but it seems like if you've got proprietary data, in your platform that might be valuable to other people that could easily, should maybe easily be a, co a core pillar of your content strategy. Um, yeah, because like you're the only one that has it, you know? So like if it's proprietary and like um, you can tell some stories and make some insights with it, interesting. Well, and I think just from a content perspective, you know, we use Gong in a lot of ways as a North Star they were really the first B2B SaaS company that I came across that was using their own platform data to share insights. And when we were coming up with this uh, content baby last year, uh, we both realized that there was a gap for B2B demand gen marketers. Like this type of really content and benchmark data did not exist. So we kind of looked at it with the lens of how do we come up with something that we ourselves would, would use and, and nerd out over. Well, and think about too, like, when you do find benchmark data, it's just all like averages, you know what I mean? And so you're like, and you don't understand the context usually. And so, um, so that, you know, for us, sure, same challenge, but that's also why we released the entire data set, right? So that like, you didn't, if you're trying to write a report with every nuance and every, you know what I mean? Like in that data, the report's gonna be untenable. Um, but you write it about the averages, you take, you know, you give it some insights and then you just l release the entire data set. And that way people can actually like, Oh, 
I can actually go in and look at companies like me instead of just taking some average benchmark. I don't know what industries you have in there, which of your customers is in there, where you're taking the benchmark from. And so that was really the, I don't know, the light bulb moment for us was like, let's just release the entire data set, you know, and like, let's have people go at it on their own, you know, and like really dig in and, and try and find some insights. Um, and yeah, that's what we did. So before we really jump into it, let's do a little history lesson and talk through how this all came about last year, because it was, uh, I'd say, very rocky last year, slightly less rocky this year, but Justin, uh, <laughs> Justin didn't have to deal with it last year. Yeah, last year, um, I don't remember where the idea came from. I rarely remember those for some reason, but um, yeah, I really don't, but there was an idea that somebody had and like, we want to do this thing. Um, but, and we knew exactly why, you know, it was like super rich. We're, mar we're B2B marketers, right? So like, we would love to have this ourselves. Um, <clears throat> but like, then when you start to dig in, you're like, oh, well, you don't really understand how complicated it's going to be because you're just like, well, we already have all this data in our platform. So like, to just be like, bippity boppity boo, export the data out of the platform and it's just, it's ready to go. And that was the biggest assumption that was so not even close to true. Um, the data, I mean, the data that your platform is holding is stored in a certain way that the platform needs it. You know, it's not really meant for consumption by, you know, human beings <laughs> being consumed by the platform, you know? And so, um, and it's across tables and like, and also as you're uh, adding new features, right, to your product throughout the year, it adds more, you know, it adds new data sets. And if you're not thinking about like, oh, we're actually going to use this to create content later on, if you're not thinking of it that way, then man, it's a, it's a bear to pull together. And so, you know, we had to, we included our, you know, engineers, people from our engineering team. Um, uh, I have uh, a ex employee, colleague of mine, Brett Kobold, I'll just put his name out there, uh, who essentially takes the raw data and makes sense of it, you know, and he puts it into like a format that can actually be consumed and goes back and forth and, you know, with our engineering team and, oh, this doesn't line up or this doesn't line up or um, thank God for him. Um, and Ser seriously, if anybody's <laughs> listening and needs help with that, uh, shameless plug. He is awesome at what he does. <laughs> oh, maybe I shouldn't have said anything because he has a full-time job. Uh, oops. Uh, <laughs> he did it at nights and weekends, uh, nights and weekends only, which is actually true. But that said, uh, invaluable help. And, um, but it still took forever, especially the first time, right? Because it's like me, you, we're doing everything else. You know, we had to do from a marketing well, standpoint. Team of team of two when we did the V one of this as yep. well. So yep. Uh, yep, we had freelance help, but yeah, it was yeah. Uh, without him, we probably wouldn't have been able to do it. Yeah. Um, did, who did? Who wrote that one? So it was uh, Carmen, I think. Was that my friend? Oh, you, my, okay. Yeah, okay, yeah, that yeah, was yeah. my okay. Um, yep. So Carmen basically what we did was, yeah. yeah, basically what we did was we looked at once the data was in a good enough state, then we just started to look into it and uncover what we thought were insights and then structured the insights into different sections and created kind of a beast of an outline for her to, to work off of. Uh, and then I would say the, the analysis, like if you look at what went into creating it, so you've got the analysis, you've got the 
creation of let's just say the guide itself and then you've got the dashboard like i would say the the guide and the dashboard took maybe 30 40 percent combined the analysis probably took at least 50 to 60 percent if not more yeah because you're you're going in and you have all these filters you know that you can use and you're trying to just find interesting insights like what's the difference between facebook and linkedin on this and you know image and video and headline length and we just like we even like last year, we didn't do it this year, but last year we actually we ran the ad text through a college grader or something like that. And it like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like the, reading, the, level. the yeah. reading level of your content even, you know what I mean? Yep. And does that have an effect? I don't think we did it this year because it's like, well, it's all eights and nines. So like, really? But, you know, we're just trying to think of different ways of like, okay, we have the data. What can we add on to it? You know? Um, and obviously one of the first things is scrub the customer's names out uh, and replace those with firmographic data. So like, um, great customer a is in this industry, this many employees, this much revenue, this location, whatever the other ones were. Um, and so we were able to like basically give you a way and that's where you can say like, oh, okay, Hey, I'm in software, you know, let me go narrow it down to software companies. Oh, I have this many employees. You know what I mean? So you can start to look at, oh, companies of your similar size, at least in industry, uh, what kind of performance are they getting? Um, you know, in a couple, you know, so the insights that was that was a lot. You're right. That took a long time, um, and you really need to be a good, like a good B two B marketing analyst to like go through all that data and pull out insights. You can't just like hand it over to a junior analyst. It's just too much stuff going on, and it would take them like way too long. So before we start talking about this year's uh, benchmark report for this, let's talk about the dashboard last year because if I if I remember correctly, was it your idea or was it Gil's idea to create the dashboard? Oh, see, this is again, I don't... I think it, not because I don't want to give you credit, but I, I think Gil was like, well, why wouldn't you create a dashboard for it? And then... Might have, yeah. Yeah, I might have not we, wanted to because I probably wanted, was thinking like, well, oh, that's yeah. going to be way too hard. <laughs> and we wanted to do, I think, I, I, I'm fairly confident in this, but by the oh, time that... Memory by the time By the time that we... We're about to launch the report, you know, maybe a, a week or two weeks out. That's when the dashboard idea came up. And I think Gil originally said Tableau dashboard, but then we were like, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's graduate yeah. onto that next year. Like we can't do that in this time frame. So what we did was we just released it in Data Studio, which I think was a, a solid year one um, effort from us just because, you know, it was done in a very short time frame, and we hadn't seen anything like that before. Uh, but we always knew that in year two that we were going to you know, do it bigger and better and, and graduate onto a Tableau dashboard. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and that's all Brett knew last year, too. And that's all, you know, um, we only had Brett, and he knew Data Studio. He didn't really know. He knows Tableau, but, like, not as well. Um, so this year we, we added Tableau. So this year's report we were, let's just say, uh, under the gun uh, to get this thing out there uh, from uh, Olivier and our sales team <laughs> because it was such a helpful piece of content for our reps to use last year that they kept saying, you know, when's this year's report? When's this year's report? And, you know, usually when Olivier asks you for something once, it's, it's okay, I got some time, but then he asked a second time and a third time and a fourth time. And I think that that really... Uh, put some pressure on us to get this thing out the door. And I think the other big thing was just from like an optics perspective, we've grown so much year over year that last year's report, I think had $15 million in ad spend. 
and this year's report was 42 million. So more data, hopefully better insights, and then showing the market when we were a series A, now series B company that, wow, there's a lot of ad spend being run through metadata right now. So we were kind of pumping our chest a little bit. Yeah. And it's nice for that aspect too, right? Because it's like, not just, not only are you giving insights, but you're also able, yeah, it's, it's a nice promotional piece. You're like, oh, look at all the spend we had run through and look at some of the performance metrics. Now, this is where it gets a little hairy because you ask yourself, you're like, well, okay, what if a prospect, you know, prospect's going to come and see this thing. Um, and what if they go in and they build a query in the dashboard and it is worse than the performance that they get today? Does that, you know what I mean? We, I worry about that. Uh, I worried about that way more last year than this year because um, it didn't really have an effect last year or we don't know it did. Maybe some people came to it and just like crossed us out, maybe. Um, but what the dashboard doesn't have in it is trending. You know what I mean? It doesn't have the trending stuff and it doesn't have like where our customers started. And so that's, I think, one thing to note is it's not a ROI calculator for metadata customers. It's like once you are a metadata customer, this is what it looks like. Um, and some of them start, you know, maybe with the same performance that they had before, but then we're running massive, ex- you know, massive numbers of experiments for them and they kind of improve performance. So that was one of the things we couldn't show or just trending over time. You know what I mean? Like, oh, how is this stuff moving throughout the year? Is like Christmas more than, you know what I mean? Like, so we can't really answer that. It's just a block of data. The block of data is 2020 and then 2021. And so that's another thing. And we'll probably talk about this later, what we want to do in the future. But, um, you know, each iteration will add you know add more things i think we should do some merch next year and have data metadata hats like that uh for the release of this that'd be a good idea so (laughs) justin we're having you in the podcast not so you can just sit here and not say anything but as hey this is my normal role so be i'm just on camera this time you know (laughs) as a uh content repurposer extraordinaire you had to be just drooling about something like this to use as a pillar in your content. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I literally remember interviewing with both you and Jason in July of last year. And I was like, y'all aren't doing enough with this benchmark report. You know, (laughs) it's just one of those things where when you, whenever you have um, a piece of, whether it's original research, a survey, uh, you know, this type of data set where you can create multiple streams of content off of it and link back to your own stuff because so much data out there is linked back to you know it's really lazy it's linked back to an unknown source somebody threw a stat out in some you know infographic in 2018 and now you're going to quote that stat and you really don't know where it came from this stuff is like solid data where you can have your piece of content um, and, and ideally have something where other people want that information as well. That's the gold standard is if you have this data, but then other people want that too, and they're looking for it and you can provide that, um, that's gold. So yeah, absolutely. It's, it was one of the, the main things that got me excited even before I started working here was like, man, there's so much here. So maybe as a refresher and to kind of shame Jason and I, let's talk about what we had last year just as far as assets and like what we, what we got out of it, because we, like you said, we didn't get nearly as much as we, we could have. So we had a landing page uh, that had a link to the 
Data Studio dashboard in addition to the PDF. We had a, I believe, a single blog post that was written for, I think it was B2B paid social benchmarks. That, right? when I, before I came, you guys had a blog post that was just kind of Jason, like, hey, we launched this thing. He, here's yeah, like that, here's that was what it. it is. You know, <laughs> we spent a lot of, t- you know, that type of like, here's a summary. It was almost like a summary of the report, basically. Right. And it, it, was a PDF. it opened up. Yeah, that's right. It opened up our eyes because up until that point, like most B2B marketers out there, like I thought, isn't that what you're supposed to do? And then once you got here, you quickly opened up our eyes of, hey, here's how you can slice it up into a million different ways. So maybe you uh, can talk us through what you saw as opportunities for us when we were doing this V2 in 2022. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, one of the first things I did, uh, so I started in end of August and I think by early October, the first week of October, I had relaunched the benchmark report as a full on blog. So it was searchable. And I think that's, that's a key for us, but also if anybody else is doing sort of original research like this, what, even even when we did V2, it was sort of like, are we going to do a PDF? And we actually did one like way late in the game, but that's not what we led with. We led with this page because a PDF is horrible to share. You have to like attach it or like find the like weird, you know, embed URL or something like that. You can't tie it to analytics. There's no way to see how many people are viewing this thing. Um, and then there's no way, a, I mean, I guess a search engine technically could pick up a PDF. It does from here and there, but not really. And so for all those reasons, that's why that's why we chose to go with, uh, you know, and we're not going to gate it. That was the other thing, too. We just, you know, we'll just throw it out there and, and, and let it be. Um, and so, yeah, those are those are probably the main three or four reasons why we ended up going with that that big sort of full on blog post with the content in it. So, like, I would say we never thought about gating this ever. Mm-hmm. Right, Jason? Nope. Nope. Um, no, just not our, yeah. But I, and I know that that's kind of our, our, our MO, but also I think the, the value of it is one being associated with, you know, being the company who's doing this sort of, you know, platform analysis and sharing the insights and not asking for anything in return, but two, just the number of eyeballs that we've gotten on it. Like I think Justin, we were talking earlier about, how big of a splash this was in year two and what it was the third largest yeah, traffic like day. That. Yeah. It was, it was really big year. for us. Yeah. And like, we've had not to, you know, humble brag. We've had some big days mm-hmm. this year. So for it to be top three, like that's a huge deal. Yeah. I think the other thing too, that people don't, it's, it's sort of a short sighted versus long term approach to some of this. Like if you gate the content, you're, you're, by definition, putting a blocker in front of somebody getting access to that. Well, that also puts a blocker up from somebody sharing it, from somebody wanting to link to it, from somebody wanting to, you know, put a a, a mention from a, an article back to it. Like, there's all of those things that you're hindering. Um, so if there's anybody, anybody out there, any, like, sort of marketing folks that want to go halfway, something I've, you know, you still want to have a piece to gate. Um, what I've done in the past is actually have a PDF version, but then use that as a content upgrade and you could gate that off the blog. So you could have everything be in there and be live and be accessible. But then it's like, Hey, if you want the PDF version that you can print and download and, and 
markup and all that stuff here's that version oh by the way give us your email address and and you know you could you could play it that way too and kind of play in both lanes so let's talk a little bit about how we created it you know once the data was cleaned up the analysis was done so we had you and you know we do get some outside help from our agency algert and then uh we work with brooklyn nash as well who's amazing for this sort of thing so help people better understand what that process looked like justin yeah, this is the first time that I've done, obviously, the report here at Metadata, but also like really had to kind of piece all of those things together and, and make sure it all worked. The biggest thing, I mean, you, you were talking about the analysis. That was the biggest thing is just making sure the analysis is done and set. Because even even if you're hiring um, an outside writer or you're hiring an in, internal writer, they might not be the expert in that data set. So you still have to like make sure like, Somebody is there to pull out the insights that you want to say and then, you know, create the words around it and have that. So uh, one thing I, I'll say, and, and I know we've talked about this even internally, like the amount of upfront time that it takes to like do something like this, it takes a lot of time. Like it, it almost needs to be like months and months and months in advanced planning like if this is going to be a pillar if this is going to be a cornerstone piece of content like treat it like that like give it give it the time and effort it needs uh to be able to to get created um because there's so much that's the one there's so much back and forth you know we're we're we were back and forth and jason could probably talk this with the analyst and we're back and forth with the tableau developer and we're back and forth with brooklyn and we're trying to back and forth with the algorithm getting the designs all set up and trying to piece all that together. So for me, like my role was, I wasn't like actually like writing it, but I was managing all of the stuff and all of the pieces around it to try to put that in and make it a nice final piece. Um, and so that was, uh, that was the bulk of the work was honestly just, uh, a lot of project management, a lot of like communication and, and just understanding what the final output want, wanted to be. Well, I mean, that in itself is a, a beast of an undertaking because we're trying to, to push the data as far as we can so you can get started working on this with all the other moving pieces in play because we couldn't just wait for the data to be perfect or else we'd still be working on this right now. So it's how do you walk that mm -hmm. fine line between having enough data and in a good enough state that we can start to create an outline and write copy for this and start designing it and all that stuff. And it's a... Uh, it's a delicate, it's a delicate balancing act. So well, I just have too. like the, the plates all spinning at one Thousand time in my percent. head right now, that image. Yeah. And this one too, like we were working with people ever, I mean, our data engineer was in Ukraine, you know, like Luda is in Ukraine, Brett's in Texas. I don't know where August is <laughs> somewhere on the East coast. You know, I don't know. Um, and here's, you know, some of, and actually, I don't know if it took us longer to do it this year, but we released it at a later date this year than even last year um, when I thought it was going to actually happen faster, you know, and then we get into it and it's like, well, if you don't have people that can just be dedicated to it, and this was, I think, part of the problem early on is that I was trying to manage a lot of the data pieces myself, but not giving it enough time. You know what I mean? So I'm like trying to ma manage bread and then figure out what's going to go into the dashboard and, and connect with Luda to get the, you know, I'm trying to do all of that and get everybody together, 
but I'm like looking at it once a day, you know what I mean? And then, you know, Luda's in Ukraine and it, you know, 11, 12 hours ahead. And, um, and so, well, and, and then, everything that's going on in the world. So like, it's just a, yeah, a crazy situation. Yeah. yeah. And so one of the things I tried to do is like, okay, once you get the data in the dashboard, then you have to go, you have to move to the analysis. So you have to try and pull out these like interesting insights. Well, I handed the analysis off. I didn't, do it myself. I didn't, I tried to write it out like what we wanted and I handed it off to a couple analysts and then I didn't really interrogate it. I just kept like, how's it going? How's it going? You know? And then we get on a phone call cause I just do a quick glance at the dashboard that they've built and I'm like, oh, okay, it's filled out. So then we get on the phone. I'm like, okay, it must be ready to review. Then we get on the phone with our writer and I start to like go through a couple of the tabs and I just, I, I didn't lose it, but I like, I just got like frustrated. I'm like, this is not exactly, this is not at all what we were, I was hoping would be in here. These aren't really insights. They're mostly just kind of regurgitations of, you know, like what the data says. And so then I was like, shit, we're several weeks behind right now. You know what I mean? Just because of this. And so then we had to really regroup. Um, and that's where I had to <laughs> ask Brett for another favor, you know, and have him basically play the role that I would have done, which is go through and like pull out all the insights um, and make them like truly, you know, insightful. <laughs> but that was a bear, you know, and it did. We had several. Hold setbacks. on. Let's not ignore the the dad joke that was made about data while he's wearing a data hat. Like, let's just make sure that this is a social clip. <laughs> Yes, yes, the data hat. Yeah, the, the guy shouldn't be wearing. Uh, shouldn't be wearing the data hat. No, I should be wearing the um, data hat. You know, that is my background. But man, I didn't have any. I didn't have the time. You know, mm-hmm. this year, and um, it was right in the middle of our press conference that we also didn't really plan for, right? And so, like, it was just, yeah, it was a rough one. But we pulled it together, and actually, then we launched it, and it still wasn't right. You know, so we still we launched it, and it's still fucking wrong. And so, like, so, like, literally, we've been working on it for the last couple of days, like great, let's fix this problem, let's fix this problem. So, you know, fixing the plane while we're flying it. So let's talk through timeline real quick. And I want to go back to the point that you just made, because I think there's a lot to unpack there. So I'm looking at a calendar right now. We launched it, I believe it was last Thursday, April 28th. And we started when? Did we start in February on this? Probably, if not earlier, I think I, I think February, yeah. Because was it February? Yeah, that that sounds right. Okay, then that was probably the first problem. Probably, like, yeah. probably should have started totally. it in November. Totally, honestly, yeah, yeah, yep, yep, yep. So okay, just so people realize that even when you know we were kind of you know building it and flying it at the same time, like that amount of time wasn't even enough time. So just trying to put into perspective. You know, when we do V3 next year, you know, we're going to start even earlier than that. So uh, back to the point that you made um, a few moments ago, Jason. So I think one of the, the struggles that we have with the report is how people can immediately jump to conclusions when they see the insights. And you look at Jason's already smirking because I'm going to let him go on a soapbox here in a second. Uh, Jason was talking about averages and you see, all right, well, if there's $42 million in ad spend being run through the platform and there's X number in closed one revenue, wait a second, that ratio is not right. So mm-hmm. Jason, get yeah. on the soapbox. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you know, um, haters gone hate, right? So, 
Oh my god. <laughs> this is what we've been waiting for, folks. <laughs> yeah, they're gonna hate. And so, like, you know, you get people chiming up out of the woodwork, trying to basically, I, they're trying to call you out. You know, they're trying to call you out with your data uh, because they want to be like, you know, the person that, like, I don't know, gets a, a high five or something for it. I don't know what the reason is, but maybe they, they want to be smarter than we are. Um, and so, yeah, so if you look at like, oh, $42 million and, you know, $42 million to spend and like $22 million of closed one, like, right? You're like, well, wait, what is that all about? And then you got to get into the details. Like, well, okay, how do you, how do you attribute revenue? You know, no other platform does this. You know what I mean? Like does attributes, you know, like campaigns to opportunities and revenue. And so like, what does our attribution model look like? And, you know... What is, and we wanted to leave influenced out because we're like, you know, influence is, you know, like influence, like, ah, you know, like, is it really, but, you know, people like to see influence because maybe that's what a lot of people still report on today. Um, so it's like, well, here, here, $25 billion of influence then. Like, is that what you want? Because here's what, you, you know, it's like, great. Dr. And Dr. Was, Evil, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it was $25 billion of influence, you know what I mean? So I was like, if that's what you want, great. Um, but, you know, so you get people that like, Oh, is, are you telling me it? It for every opportunity, a metadata customer has to pay X dollars? Like, uh, no, Mr. Analyst, you obviously don't understand how averages work. You know, let's talk about how averages work. Uh, there's some that are one dollar, some that are ten thousand dollars, and it's all the spectrum in between that. But you know, only you are gonna know if that's good enough for you or not, right? Because like you know what you get today, and every you could be in the same exact industry with the same number of employees, same amount of revenue, and I sell something that costs $5 a month, and mm -hmm. Justin sells something that costs $5,000 a month in the same exact industry, you know? And so it's hard, you know, so that's the thing we want people to understand. And that's where some of the risk comes in because you're like, well, if people just want to jump to conclusions and they don't really, really want to think about it, they can make some assumptions that maybe doesn't look that great, you know? Um, but if they don't want to spend the time to dig in, but we felt, we all felt that we'll get more benefit from releasing it and letting people comb through it and get their own insights than we would from the detractors and the haters that are gonna you know, try and pull it down. Uh, so we'll see if we're right. Mm -hmm. Last year we were right. Um, and so I figure like this year we will be as well. And then you also have to understand like, hey people, this stuff is directional for you. I'm not telling you that like every B2B SaaS company in this industry gets a 5.3%, you know, like click to lead, you know, we're not, we're not saying that. So like come in curious you know, curious with this kind of stuff. This isn't the end all be all, like this is the holy grail of B2B marketing, you know, data. Um, but it is data you can't really get anywhere else because like no one else is tracking campaigns all the way down to opportunities and, you know, revenue with the kind of models that we have. And so, um, so there's so much richness in it, we took the risk. And that was something that I think we learned as a somewhat hard lesson right before we were about to launch it because we made sure that we shared it with our sales team because we didn't want this to hurt our sales team in the conversations that they were having. So we got their feedback mm -hmm. and it was a super last minute ad, but we had to create a new section at the beginning of the report and the, the blog post that essentially was a bunch of different caveats that you need to keep in mind when looking at this, not to make excuses, but a perfect example is if we're playing up close one revenue triggered by metadata campaigns. Well, the only way that you can do that in the first place is if you're using 
our CRM integration with Salesforce. And we have plenty of customers who use metadata and pump a ton of money into it and don't use Salesforce or have it connected with Salesforce. So it's stuff like that that's going to skew the performance metrics that the lazy people who skip directly to the numbers and don't look at that, then make a huge fuss over because they didn't look at the caveats in the first place. Oh, it sounds like the internet. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> <much all>. Yes. <laughs> sounds like the wrong way. Yeah. So Justin, now that we've uh, gotten Jason off of his soapbox, although <laughs> I kind of like that. If we're being yeah, honest, me too, man. Let's talk through some of the ideas that you have on how you're planning to use this, you know, beast through the end of the year because it is a, a luxury and one of the three big content pillars that we have yeah and this is this is where it's exciting and this is why like in an ideal world we would have gotten this out earlier because you can leverage it throughout the whole year and you absolutely should leverage it throughout the whole year so we're still finalizing our plan and there's nothing you know scientific and that this this thing's gonna work one way and this thing's gonna work another but for us and the way i'm kind of thinking about it is I want something bigger to be able to drop every at least every quarter off of it. Um, and then I want something to be able to drop every month. And then I want to be able to drop something every week or day off of it. And that could be, and that doesn't mean I'm writing a new blog post every day. What that means is we're going to be able to create content, whether it's a, you know, a webinar off of this. So be on the lookout for that eventually, um, whether it's a, uh, an in-depth guide off of a section that's on it, whether it's a, a simple blog post, whether it's another podcast episode, whether it's a s clip off of s social, we have all of these images to be able to pull and share. Um, it's really just taking the stuff you have. If you create this type of survey or really big content, you should absolutely be using it throughout the year. And I think that's one of the things we're going to absolutely do better this year is uh, be able to drip that out because one of the things I see a lot is people do these they share it once you get a nice big spike and then it flatlines for the rest of the year and you're like oh you know we spent I mean if you think about all the time effort money stress work that we all put into this we would be doing ourselves a disservice not to try and get the most out of it um, we clearly want to do it because we think it's important um, and so it's it's literally just for anybody else out there, it's having a plan for how, how, what are the next steps? How are we going to use this after the fact? Yep. And I think that's, I mean, of the many things that you're good at, that's probably your biggest strength and looking at, you know, how much time is spent creating the content versus actually distributing it and then repurposing it. Because up until you coming to metadata, Jason and I were so focused on the next piece of content, the next piece mm -hmm. of content. And then as soon as you publish something, the shelf life is basically like, a day yep. or a week because then you're already worried about the next thing. And it, it was painful for us at first. Cause I think, and Jason, feel free to tell me if I'm full of shit here, but like we had to kind of get you off of that a little bit at, at first before you were more comfortable with kind of the, the distribution and the repurposing, because there were times when it was just you and I, and when Justin had started, we were trying to do way too much in a given month from a content perspective. In a given week. It was just this endless, in a given week, <laughs> it was just this this hamster wheel and we never got off yeah. of it until until Justin started to open our eyes with this. Yeah, and I think also we're, I, I mean, we've made a lot of progress, but I feel like we've got still a lot more we can do. You know, mm -hmm. like we were just talking about this recently, these clips that we're building, like we're not even using them sometimes, you know? And so like literally I got to get better at 
okay, Justin built me three clips off this podcast. Okay, day one, you know, it goes live, boom. Day three, you know, I take another clip, I write a little something about it, and then, oh, if you want to go and listen to the whole episode, but it's got some, you know, meat or just there's a there's a perspective or a point or a learning moment in that post itself, you know, so it's not just like trying to drive it back to the podcast, but it's giving you a little bit of something, then, oh, if you want to go to the podcast, here you go. Um, so I see that, like the social sharing, getting it out there more, I think that's probably our, one of our next steps in terms of like getting the repurposing mm-hmm. even going even more and then i think like what we've also been talking about is uh we tried to get everyone on social in the company and now we're kind of thinking like okay there's probably like eight to ten people you know that like really want it that got a good have a good following and let's get them all doing it in a very consistent you know planned way um and so we'll probably start to um, you guys are probably already figuring that out now Yep. Yeah, and yeah. I th- we'll have to do another episode on that once we get moving on totally i think part of the part of it too is like when I think about um, utilizing a piece of content like this, it really is what are how can I get this in front of my audience as frequently as possible without, you know, being annoying or whatever. But if like if you have valid insight, I mean, that's the thing. If you have valid insights out of a piece of content like this, like you're never going to be annoying. Like it's always going to be valuable <laughs> information. Um, and, yep. and so I think whether it's a chart that you're going to pull out and show one, and focus on one set of data um, and then again, it's, it's valuable. Like Jason was talking about, it's valuable in the feed. And then you just point back to it and say, Hey, if you do want insights, like more insights and be able to do your own, like, Hey, we've got this research over here. Um, and you can start to really see why doing something like that early, early in the year can really carry you throughout. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Well, I think we are probably right at time here. So this was awesome. We'll have to do this again for, uh, you know, the next big content release that we have and see what we learned, you know, from this last go around. So it's a little less rocky, but Jason, you might have to wear that data hat every time too. I like it. I like to just be able to say like, let me put my data hat on. If I, if I were to put my data hat on, (laughs) how would I respond to this? (laughs) I just, I just need to have it on the side. Let me put my data hat on for a second. (laughs) There's a social clip. Sorry, Jason. Incredible. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. That's a social clip. Well, Uh, thanks again for listening. Always awesome talking with you guys on content stuff. And uh, I'm in our office right now and our sales guys were not allowed to come in here and screw the uh, the recording up. So they're begging to come in. But Banging I at think the door. that's our cue. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, everybody. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Demand Gen U. If you want to hear more, make sure to subscribe to get future episodes. You can also submit a specific topic you want us to talk about by DMing us on LinkedIn. If you like the show or want to share feedback, please leave us a review. It'll help us keep improving and get the word out to other marketers just like you. This podcast is brought to you by Metadata, the first demand generation platform that launches paid campaigns that self-optimize to revenue. If you're looking for a tool that makes it easier for you to build audiences, launch paid campaigns, and experiment at scale, you'll love Metadata. B2B marketers at Zoom, Okta, and ThoughtSpot use metadata to automate the time-consuming parts of running paid campaigns so they can focus on the things that matter.